who is an ideal client yesterday is not necessarily going to be the same ideal client tomorrow. An ideal client for us is they're of a certain size so that we know that they have budgets and also that there's a, a temperament or a certain aesthetic or even just way of seeing the world. They, they don't have to see the world the way that we do, but they have to appreciate the way that we see the world and, and value the work that we do. For Milo, I'm Brandon Hull, and this is Freelance to Founder a podcast where we tell the real stories of one-time freelancers who've scaled their businesses to be much bigger than themselves. This is our eighth and final episode of season six. And today we feature the story of Shannon DeYoung. Years ago, she thought she'd be an actress on a stage or maybe writing poetry for a living. Well, the first part of that is true today, as she does periodically get on stage as an actor and she's added the title of CEO to her CV as well. She brings seven team members along as she leads House of Who, a creative agency in the San Francisco Bay Area. She'll hit the seven-figure mark in revenue for the first time this year. This episode takes a deeper look at how some founders think deeply about their work as an art and how that can lead to greater clarity about the work itself. But you'll get plenty of practical advice as well. But first, a quick break and immediately after an important announcement about the future of this very podcast. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Over the last two years on Freelance to Founder, we've published about 50 powerful stories of company founders who started something from nothing, sometimes during their university years, sometimes a few years after graduating, while barely tolerating their day job. They've been actual stories, interviews turned into narratives that give you a flavor for the backgrounds of the people we've talked to and we've packaged them into eight episode seasons like we're finishing today. Well, that's about to change. Starting in May, Freelance to Founder becomes a weekly show. And more than that, you won't find narrative stories any longer. You'll hear great conversations with founders big and small, some who built powerhouse personal or company brands, some who you'll find highly relatable as they're just getting over the hump, having turned a passion into a profitable full-time business. But hopefully you'll enjoy a podcast that's still unlike any other one out there. So after listening to today's episode, stick around for just a few weeks and we'll be back. And now let's meet Shannon DeYoung. At the heart of me, I'm an artist. And I always knew that that was in my heart and I still do. That is first and foremost, the job title or identity, I guess, that I identify with the most if I had to if I had to choose. And I'm also pragmatic. My two elementary school parents and my whole family of nothing but high school and elementary school teachers um, really instilled in me a great work ethic for which I'm really grateful, a certain practicality that sometimes I wrestle with because sometimes it's an advantage and sometimes I think it's a disadvantage. Shannon grew up a mercurial, precocious, talkative young one. She's always been pragmatic, but not too much so. There's a fair amount of idealism to her as well. 
You don't turn an undergraduate degree in linguistics into a special talent for naming things like businesses, products, services, without a degree of idealism and opportunism in you. Ever since a young age, I've always been wrestling with how to find that middle path of being an artistic, creative soul, knowing that my work in the world is to explore <laughs> you know, things like what is the meaning of life and who am I? And, you know, those kinds of profound things and, and then express that exploration creatively. And also, you know, I like making a living and having stability and being practical and being of service to this world and, you know, taking care of the people around you. And so I think those two things have been in, have been in speaking of a dance in a dance for a long time. Brandon, I never thought I'd be running a business. Not like this. I never thought I'd be a leader. I never thought I'd be like, yes, hello, I'm a CEO of House of Who, Inc. You know, it wasn't something that I necessarily aspired to. Um, but what I did aspire to was integration. And what House of Who has been for me has been a sometimes bumpy, other times exquisitely beautiful journey into self integration and actualization through the vehicle of the working world. What drove her early in life still drives her today, but she started her career in human resources. So even though I never set out to necessarily end up here, um, the pursuit has been there all along and it just happened to lead me here. And my first couple jobs, um, I, well, <laughs> uh, some of my first, first jobs actually were in HR, which I'm kind of looking around going, maybe that wasn't so far off. I, yeah, I got, I had a HR job in high school, um, working at a hospital actually, and just, um, you know, collating papers and uh, filing benefits packages and just really like basic, you know, HR clerk kind of stuff. And then I actually did that a couple of times. I got a couple of HR jobs, I don't know why. Um, it was just easy to kind of fit in between school, I guess. And then um, how I actually met Anthony Shore, who was at uh, Landor Associates, which is where I got my first internship, it was because the HR director was going out on pregnancy leave and I knew someone that worked there and they're like, oh, hey, do you want to step in and just like support in HR while she's gone? And I said, sure. I mean, they were paying $17 an hour. That HR role ultimately transitioned to marketing with Landor. She was a freelance naming analyst, and I'll bet you've never heard that title before. That sense of adventurous idealism that I mentioned a bit ago came out in her work at Landor. It drove how she saw the world and inspired how she felt she could best contribute to it. Well, we all want to feel like we're unique, don't we? <laughs> um, I think on one hand, I do feel like it is a unique perspective in that I don't see a lot of other people doing what I'm doing as explicitly as I'm trying to do it, I should say. You can be an artist and you can ask these deep questions and you can do it through the vehicle of business. As Shannon poured her mind and spirit into her business, she began attracting clients, not only because of the quality of the work she did, but the way in which she approached it. She expanded beyond naming projects to an agency offering full brand strategy and design. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, you'll get a better feel for how Shannon's personality is fused with her business, how that's helped her find clients that appreciate her approach and not just the output of her work. And you'll hear the questions she asks herself to keep in check in finding fulfillment in growing her business. 
You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, take a freelance job when I graduated from college. And then that allowed me to start building my portfolio. And then before I knew it, I did have referrals. And then I did get a full-time job um, at an agency. And then a little later on, client side. So I started accumulating this work experience of like, I know how what it looks like on the inside of an agency. I know what it looks like inside on client side. I know what it is to be freelance. I have all the perspectives, or at least, you know, a snapshot of these different perspectives of what it is to be in branding. With the early struggle in balancing the artistic endeavor and the business side, was there a time when she knew she could do more than freelance? That's a, that's a great uh, moment because it is several different moments, but the, each of them, I think, are um, poignant in their own way. The first moment was... The first time I even thought of calling myself something other than my name. So basically, I'm going to call this thing a business name rather than, oh, I'm just Shannon DeYoung doing work for hire. That um, started first just with a DBA. So that was that to me is a first moment of some, I didn't maybe know where I was going quite yet, but I knew that there needed to be an entity other than myself. And that's where we started. Um, and at that point, it was it was just two people. I know that that's one thing that some freelancers aren't even so sure they could do, become a full company, or even whether they want to do it. 
we had Kaylee Moore on last season and she talked about having gone from freelancer to agency back to focusing on her building her own name as a brand. Whether you follow one path or the other, you still have to find your ideal clients and deliver value in a way that allows you to grow and scale. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic question and one that I think people should be asking themselves often and um, yeah, regularly often and with much gravitas because I think that it is it is an important um, it's an important question to keep asking oneself because I think it changes and who is an ideal client yesterday is not necessarily going to be the same ideal client tomorrow. Um, In theory, you have a good idea. So I guess I'll answer your question by saying um, an ideal client for us is they're of a certain size so that we know that they have budgets that can set us up for success for delivering to them the kind of quality work that we know we want to deliver. And also that there's a, a temperament or a certain uh, aesthetic or even just way of seeing the world that they, they don't have to see the world the way that we do, but they have to appreciate the way that we see the world and, and value the work that we do. And I, I actually think that that's a really fundamental thing that a lot of people don't think about, which is, is the person you're working with, do they actually value what you do? It's, it's very much a mixed bag. And, um, I, th- I think I used to maybe feel a bit defensive about it, you know, like, oh, you don't understand what we do and you don't appreciate the work. Or I'd feel really insecure about it. Like, oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy and or or unreasonable or, you know, um, stuck up or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Why can't I output that fast food desire? Why can't I, you know, and I and I've come to realize that it's not nobody's bad or wrong. You know, people who want that fast food, um, creative work, they're not wrong. They're, you know, trying to run a business and do their thing. And they're looking for something good, fast and cheap. Now, whether or not that exists is a different story, but you just like, I understand that I'm running a business. Like I totally know that feeling of just, you know, especially now we're so used to everything being on demand, even art and even craft, because, you know, well, I'm a content maker. It's like, well, hold on a second. You're an artist, you know, and there, and there are different, there are different ways of looking at different things. So anyway, there's nothing wrong with wanting that, but it's just good to be clear that that's what you want. And then on the other, on the other hand, I work with people all the time that really understand the value of not just like, oh, hey, can you, yeah, can you whip out a logo for me? Um, sure, I can whip out a logo for you for, you know, $50. That's no problem. I can't promise, however, that the logo is going to be thoughtful or on brand or strategic or, you know, capture something essential that that is going to speak to the people to whom you're trying to speak in a sort of beyond words, beyond visual kind of way that hopefully allows them to engage with you at a fundamental level. Because it's important to her, like maybe it is to you, that she sees eye to eye with her clients Sometimes it's hard to not lose sight of the importance of the right fit financially as well. And I mean, right up front. I mean, my short answer is it's a dance and it's a negotiation and it's a conversation. Um, It usually doesn't work if it's one way or the other, either them telling us what they want and we just 100% say, yes, sir, kind of coming right up. Um, And, you know, just because we may know things and we may have experience that they don't or or they're not clear and they're looking for that expertise 
um, that we can provide as well as whatever the deliverables are. And likewise, you know, if we just come in and say, no, 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 trust me, this is what you need, darling, like, oh, ha, 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 silly, ignorant client, which I think is sometimes easy to do in the agency world. Um, that doesn't work either, obviously, because you've started off the relationship and you're being patronizing, right? So it's like, yes, well, I love the dance. I also have learned in time to pull up the budget question a lot earlier because it's just it's a waste of both people's time if literally everything we're talking about, you mean $500. That's what you have in your head. And in my head, I have $50,000. Doesn't mean I can't help you for $500. It's just what we're talking about is very different and it might be better for you to go work with someone else. So pulling that up earlier in the conversation, but of course, yeah, not making it feel like, hi, do you have $50,000? No. Okay. I can't talk to you. (laughs) It's like, because the other thing I always tell my team is like, regardless of whether or not we work with someone or not, regardless of whether or not we get the project, I want everyone to have a positive experience and to think of us, you know, maybe not always fondly, but with respect. Today, she's got clients across all kinds of budget points and industries. Most of her work is project work, whereas we've had others who are focused on retainers on the show. For retainers, we do less like traditional agency retainer work, Um, not because we don't want to, it's a lovely thing to do, but just because people, at least in my experience, have been moving away from that. Um, You know, we're we're a smaller, more boutique agency. We're not a Landor or an Ogilvy. And so often they'll have retainers with, you know, their, their agency of records. Um, and we're sort of the like filler agency, like, Oh, you have a, just a quick little thing. Um, it works for us. Cause we know like, okay, we just know over the next six months we'll have, you know, these hundred hours or 500 hours or 20 hours, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and we can remain pretty nimble. And I think it adds an extra level of service for them because they don't feel like they're gripping the steering wheel of like, oh my God, are we using up this you know, work? Like, It just makes them feel more relaxed, I think, in their timelines. We're going to take one last break before learning how Shannon has been forced to grow beyond serving as the single or the most important creative talent in her own agency. I see that there are a lot of people like me, doing their best to walk that same path of that artist and CEO. And I think because I have continued to get closer to who I am, as I self-actualize, I see other people who are also attempting to self-actualize along the spectrum, and you start coming into community. And it's all about this journey, right? It's what does that look like if an artist tries to run a business? And not even like a, you know, hey, the um, I'm running my own art business. I mean, that's great, you know, th- that's wonderful. But I was less interested in like, oh, I'm gonna run the business of me being an actor. No, no, I'm interested in what does it look like to run a for-profit business as an artist? Shannon dedicates about an hour or two every day to business development efforts. She uses that term instead of sales, though, because she doesn't go about her activities with the thinking that she'll try to turn every conversation with someone into a sales opportunity. Well, I'm going to be really honest with you in that I didn't start thinking about, not seriously, business development until maybe like two years ago. 
but I didn't really, I was so, I was, I've been quite lucky and I don't know if it's luck or, you know, I also know that I've done some good work in the past. And then as my team grew, we collectively did good work such that for many years, I really did get a lot of work by referral. In fact, I would say hundred percent of my work by referral for, for, for a long time. However, you get to a certain point and you're like, okay, great. I can't grow the business anymore with the amount of work that's naturally coming in through my network. The first thing we did was look at who have we worked with and we could just ask our current clients to pass our name along. You know, it's like that's you know you kind of start there like, well, why don't I just tell people I'm looking for more work? You know, and that's a great place to start, which is instead of just letting the work come to you, you say, "Hey, I'm growing my business and I'm looking for more work." And you know, and then all the way to more focused and targeted business development initiatives and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So what works for me is, and again, this is my style. I really believe everyone has to find their style um, because there are people out there that have a very different style than me and they're probably, you know, wildly successful doing it. So I'm not um, saying that my way works, but it works for me. And what that is, is connecting with people in my industry that I know have some amount of influence in the realm of me getting work. And again, I'm saying this vaguely because it could either be someone who literally could bring me a job and call me tomorrow and hire me, or just someone who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. You know, it's like I really treat business development as sounds a little hippy dippy, but, but I believe in it, like just kind of energy and just putting good energy out there. I mentioned that Shannon has a particular talent for creative naming of products, services, even companies. Her agency still does some great work in this area, but over the years she's expanded to offering full branding services, including strategy and design. It's a natural progression, obviously, but with the expansion of clients and services, that's also meant a shift in how she spends her time. She's no longer just the creative. There's definitely frustration um, on my end managing, and I'm sure on my team's end, if you ask them in you know, doing their side of things. I don't know that it's, I don't think it's micromanaging because I don't think I'm a micromanager, but just so much as uh, I take a lot of things personally and I'm very invested in a lot of what we do. And that's great because it means that I put my heart and soul into a lot of what I do. And in fact, I'm learning how to find some differentiation and distance. The challenges that I face today, I would say the spectrum has widened. So I would say they are more practical. I would say they're they're more like the pragmatics and the, you know, just really hardcore business stuff that I didn't think about so much when I was first starting out. I think about a lot. And I would say more of the personal development growth and that I never had to think about before, especially when I was alone, like what does it take to be a good leader? If she's learned just one skill, and she hasn't, for the record, she's learned a multitude, but if she's learned just one that I think is important to pick out and share with you, it is this. What I like to do, and I'm again humbled by the fact that I am still learning this, but I start by listening. And I think that's the most important thing is to really listen to what they think they need. 
Because there's something in there that's true. There's something in there that they have wisdom and knowledge about that you don't. Shannon made that last comment in the context of how she now works with clients versus when she first got started. She's also learned that as a leader, you've got to be a great listener, not just a great boss. But you have to provide a great vision to your employees as well. Well, that's really funny because they literally just said to me in December at the retreat, like, um, what the F is the vision? Like, we know you talk about it, but like, seriously, let's get clear. It was like, okay, <laughs> thank you for your feedback. <laughs> I think that I think that they have demanded it um, directly and sometimes inadvertently, right? Maybe not even consciously have they have they, you know, required it of me. And other times I think it has come from within. She's got lofty goals for her agency, but not necessarily in the way you might normally think. We had Paul Jarvis on earlier this season, episode three specifically, and he talked about rejecting the notion of growth for growth's sake. Shannon's cut from a similar cloth as far as that goes, and her thinking on it may open your mind to how you think about your business as an extension of yourself. I know exactly where I'm going. I just don't necessarily know how it's going to happen, but over the last year, I do feel, and in fact, having clarified my vision, I do feel very fortified in knowing that I know how this journey is going to end. At least I know what my intention is to do. And I know where I'm going with this company. My destination and my vision, at least, is to drive this company to be the most creative, radical, avant-garde group of people that ever did decide to run a brand agency. What's still TBD is how that path unravels. And I have ideas. I do have, okay, this is the year and two-year and five-year plan. Um, Because I think it's good to put some stakes in the ground and say, okay, great, these are my goals, which I have done this whole time. That is Shannon DeYoung, founder of House of Who, an artist slash CEO. This wraps up season six, folks. But as I mentioned at the outset, Freelance to Founder will be back at the beginning of May with a new format, a new feel, and we'll come to you with new stories weekly. We've already got an incredible lineup of founders ready to join us as we kick off a new approach to sharing stories of freelancers turned founders. For all of us at Milo, and with a huge thank you to the Podglomerate Network, thanks for listening to Freelance to Founder. Stay tuned. We'll be back in May. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.